Psalm 40, 1 to 11. Again, it's not up on the screens. Open those ears. Hear the psalm as it's read. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. But you have often given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. And I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I've told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. And the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, who governs all things in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the prayers of your people and grant us your peace through all our days. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our scripture readings, first in the Old Testament, from the prophet Isaiah in the 49th chapter. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples, from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, a servant of rulers. Kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading from the first letter to the Corinthians, in chapter 1. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and our brother Sosthenes, 
to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise and honor the gospel. From John's gospel in the first chapter. The next, de- next day, he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, Where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him. And said, you are the Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you do and continue to do as you remain with your people and continue to call us together around your word to receive your gifts. We pray that you move by your Holy Spirit, remove distractions from our hearts and minds, and let our hearts rest in the promises that you give us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Again, thank you for the time to get away, to go up to Oregon with my father as we got to go in a drift boat and fish for a couple of days on a beautiful river up there. And as we floated along the river up there, there's times at which it's active and you're fishing, and there's other times that just become very contemplative and thoughtful, and so you start to think a lot. And I started to think a lot about different rivers. But first off, so you can see the river that I got to float on, there it is. Uh, We were 
just kind of cruising along, and I think at that point might have even been eating a burrito for lunch, and we're just kind of cruising. But it was a wonderful moment to sit back and enjoy a bit of sun shining through the clouds and just enjoy God's creation while it was 47 degrees and not raining on us at that moment. But as I thought back of all the different rivers at different places in life, I went back to Ventura when I grew up there and the Ventura River, which is a pretty broad river and it's fairly long as it comes down out of the mountains and for most of the year, it's full of rocks and trees and dirt and sand and there's homeless and car parts and trash and there's really not a lot of water in the Ventura River ever, except for when it rains. And there was a year when I lived there that we had rain similar to this year. In fact, they were looking at it flooding once again. These rains that have hit down here hit just as hard up there that 30 years ago or so. And as those rains came through, the rains washed through the river and were actually running over the Ventura overpass of the 101 to where cars were floating in the water and bobbing up and down in the water. That's about 30 feet from the bottom of the riverbed to the roadway, and then a few feet above that to where you couldn't see the road. There was a lot of water washing through, and when that water came through, it was full of every dirty, broken thing that had collected in that riverbed for the many years prior. Clothes, tents, sleeping bags. Uh, car parts, like I said before, just various trash and things, brush, debris, picnic tables, all kinds of stuff. In fact, one of those picnic tables, when my friends and I were out surfing a couple of days later, which is not a bright idea after the river washes out and it's really dirty. Don't go do that if you ever thought about it. But as it washed out, the water was full of just about everything, except for the fact it was all waterlogged and the water was muddy and you couldn't see it. In fact, I'd push my surfboard about an inch down and it disappeared no visibility. And as one friend was on a wave and that wave came along, things started to float. And one of those things that floated was one of those picnic benches. Not just the bench, but the bench and the table and the bench, the campground style full wood picnic benches was so waterlogged it was underneath until the wave popped it up. And we promptly got out of the water. And then on the shoreline, saw the frame to a 1940s Ford, a tire, a car door, enough pieces to build a whole thing but they were pretty rusty, so we didn't. See, that river got full of mud and dirt and nastiness. And then we moved to St. Louis by the clear, pristine Mississippi that's full of mud and dirt and nastiness and driftwood and floating logs. And we, we went down to the river, but we never went in the river. It just was flowing too fast, too much water and too much stuff in there. But yet these rivers that we would want to look a little more like this, where you've got a few feet of visibility in the water, a little more clarity. That's our mind when we think of beautiful rivers. We want something that's clean, yet more often than not, because of the sin and just dirtiness and muck of a lot of things of the world, things get dirty. My friends and I, or a couple friends anyway, from class and I, and one of the summers in between classes at the seminary, got a chance to go to Israel. So yet another river. We stopped at the River Jordan. As we walked along up to this River Jordan with all of the gospel readings in the backs of our minds and all the things we had read on the bus on the way there, we show up to the River Jordan 
and, you know, traditionally a place where they think the baptisms of John would have happened, and we show up to this place, and the river's about 10 feet wide. Not very wide at all in that spot. As dirty as anything I had ever seen. And there was a pool divider down the middle marking the line between Jordan and Israel. There's machine guns on one side. There's security guards and machine guns on the other. If you try to cross, they're not real happy about that. But this spot that in our minds and in Scripture is so majestic and so wonderful, at this season anyway, it was minuscule, small, wasn't impressive at all. But nonetheless, as John the Baptist had called people to repentance and called them to a baptism for the repentance and forgiveness of sins, these people knew one thing. They were dirty. They were sinful. And as they hear this call to be cleansed, this call to have their sins washed away, this call for their sins to be forgiven, they would hear him and say, yes, I need that. Well, a lot of them would say, yes, I need that. Some of them wouldn't really recognize their dirt at all. Some of them would just justify their dirt. It's not all that different today. There's moments of life that we walk through where we see our sin or somebody calls us out on our sin. And there's a couple options. You can say, you're right. That's dirty and sinful. I'm sorry. I need to ask for forgiveness for that. The other option is to justify it. Be defensive about it. Defend why you are doing the sin you're doing and just own it and keep going with it and tell everybody else they're wrong. Parts of our culture try to do that. In fact, we'll even take parts of God's word and twist it in a way to justify the desires and the sins that we really like. Hold on to those sins and say, you know what? This is the way of the world right now. It's really all right. Everybody else is okay with it. God must be okay with it because he made the world. Now, in some senses, we might look at that and say, that sounds really good. Because we want someone to tell us we're okay in our sin. We want someone more often than not to say, you know what you're doing isn't that bad. You're not harming anybody. Don't worry about it. Keep on going the way you're going. It's nice. It's not challenging. It let's us be who we want to be instead of who God has made us to be. You see, if we're honest about it, we know that God created us and that we're corrupted by sin. Something had to be done about it. And in that day and age, same thing. Something had to be done about it. And so God sent his son into the world. This is what we just celebrated at Christmas, right? God sent his son into the world to take on our flesh and yet be perfect so that he would be a spotless lamb. Let's go back into some of the history there. Why is the lamb important? Well, remember that for the people of Israel, the lamb was that main sacrifice. That lamb was the one that would be sacrificed upon the altar for the forgiveness of their sins. In fact, there would be one for the altar and another one that the priest would lay all the sins upon and send out into the wilderness as a scapegoat, where that term came from. That all the sins would escape with that goat and be gone, and then they would sacrifice another one on the altar because that's the system that God had set up. I mean, even think all the way back to Abraham as God sends him to go sacrifice his son upon that altar at Mount Moriah. 
And as they go to send that up, and Abraham walks up with Isaac into that moment, even in that moment, God provided a lamb, a ram for the sacrifice, something to take the place of the son, something to take the place of the one who is sinful, something to be given in that place to satisfy God, yet allow life to continue. Jesus walks towards that river Jordan, and John the Baptist, who had been calling everybody to the river in repentance and forgiveness and to be baptized in the waters of the river to have their sinfulness and dirtiness washed clean, dirtying the river, we get a spotless lamb. Behold, the lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. Jesus himself, as he walks to John to walk into that river, the spotless lamb provided by God to take our sins from that water and take them upon himself, to purify the waters of baptism, to be there, the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, the one who God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, the one who stands in the place of all of Israel, the one who stands in our place, the one who stood in the midst of the mucky, dirty, miry bog of nastiness in the Jordan River because of the sin of the people, to take it upon himself. You've all seen pictures of pretty cute little white lambs, right? I have a feeling they looked a little more like this other one that we saw in Oregon. You have that one there? That one. We were floating down the river, and we come across this single sheep, this single one walking along the riverbank. There's probably about 20 feet more of that blackberry bush up above him. And there was no right path down to that spot. So all that we can imagine is that when the waters were lower, further up the river, there was a little walkway down, and he must have walked down for some reason. And then as the waters rose, he was stuck in that spot. And as we walked by or floated by, you could see him walking around dredged, mud, blackberry, wetness, dirtiness and everything that the river had to give him he was fine he had food he had water we ended up calling the farmer that was near that area to let him know where he was at to think of jesus stepping into those waters pure and sinless to take upon your sin see as he walked into those waters he joined to you in your baptism he took your sin upon himself So that when you would walk to the waters of baptism, you would be joined together with him in his baptism. So that as he was soaked in sin, you would be soaked in his righteousness. You would be soaked in his purity. You would be made white and clean. So that God would continue to look at you as his child, his son, his daughter. In the same way that he sees Jesus as his son. That beautiful Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, not just the people of Israel, but for the nations, for everybody, for all of the people. As we heard in every single reading that we heard earlier, God was sending his Son into the world to take upon himself the sins of the whole world, mine, yours, all those who have come before us, all those that will come after us so that in the waters of baptism we would be joined together with him. And that Holy Spirit remained on Jesus when he was baptized. And in your baptism, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit was placed on you. And that Spirit remains on you, forgiven, made righteous, 
because of Christ, the one who was soaked in our sins, so we would be soaked in righteousness. So that when the day comes that Christ comes back, he looks at you and says, come on in, good and faithful servant. Come on in, brother, sister. Enjoy eternity. Because you get to enjoy it with the king. Because you've been made righteous by me. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done to make us yours, that you have made us white in the blood of the Lamb, the one who has taken upon our sins, Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, your Son himself, who's made us your sons and daughters. We pray that you continue to lead us by your Holy Spirit. Guard us, keep us, protect us to the day that Jesus comes back and you usher us into your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen.